on the podcast. So, John chapter 12 is where we're going tonight and uh, give you a preaching message. I'll teaching you from the Word of God as well tonight and speak to you on the subject of the art of following. The art of following. We're to be followers of Christ. And uh, I want to speak to you about that. The art of following. And, and the Lord tells us a lot about it in the Scripture. And uh, we're going to begin in John chapter 12 give you very practical things. I'm telling you, if you'll listen tonight, and you'll let the Word of God teach you, um, it'll save you a lot of grief down the road. Because uh, our, our capacity to follow in various situations affects greatly the outcome of what we're doing in our lives. And our capacity to follow in various situations also affects our capacity to be a help and a blessing and a strength to others. It's very, very important. Uh, that we, we do things and, and learn the biblical way of doing things. There's a lot of opinions out there. All kinds of books you want to read. I'm a book reader, and there's all kinds of books out there about leadership, fellowship, this, that, and the other. But the Word of God tells us and what Christ wants us to know about the, the biblical way of following and serving the Lord. And let's pray together and get started. Father, our hearts are full. Thank you for what good singing about you and about heaven does for us. Thank you for it. Now we've come to the Word of God. I pray you'll give us hearing ears. Uh, Lord, I do not want to distract anything from the truth you want to get across. So I ask you that uh, I would give uh, special emphasis to that which you want highlighted. And uh, Lord, that I would uh, not in any way venture off of the truth you've put on my heart for this evening for these people. Thank you for your mercy. I pray you'll bless tonight and help us to be a blessing because of tonight, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 12, and look please if you will. One verse here, and again we're going to be going to several passages in the Scripture. John chapter 12, in verse 26, Jesus said, If any man serve me, let him follow me. Do you get that? If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Service to Christ and learning to follow are together. They're inextricably linked. One is attached to the other. You have to have one to have the other. And uh, Christ taught about this. Taught about us following and learning to follow. Which is not quite as easy as some people might think it is. Uh, God has, like uh, all things, God has a proper way for us to do it. And I want to give you uh, just several thoughts leading up to some, uh, some Bible truths to give you here. But let me help you with something. Following, you say, okay, I'm going to follow God. Well, that means you're going to follow people too. Sure. It's like somebody say, I want to serve God, but I don't want to, I want, don't want to be a help to people. You have to help people to serve God. We want to follow God. That's going to involve the fellowship in our life. The Bible is replete with uh, teachings on how we are to interact uh, from the fellowship of uh, the, the man as the head to following Christ to the wife following the man as he follows Christ and the children following the parent. And I know that's news in some, uh, some homes, but it's not news to God. It's the way things are supposed to be. And uh, to uh, fellowship of uh, uh, employer employee situation, and uh, and fellowship within a church, fellowship within uh, within our service to one another, fellowship to civil authorities. All these different things are very very important. 
And uh, Christ said that they were. Uh, let me put the first thing here, and this will help you. Boy, if you get this truth alone, it'll help you. However, do not feel free to leave while I'm done with this point, okay? Number one, do not expect perfection out of those you follow. Now, you say, oh yeah, preacher, everybody knows that. Then how's come I end up sometimes, I'll end up, I'm not picking on ladies, you know, I, I don't do that. But how's come I, every now and then I'll end up with the wife in my office says, I would do right, but my husband won't. How's come I'll end up with a Christian in, in, my, uh, in my office talking to me about their, their slack service and their dishonoring to God the way they go about their work. And they say, well, I would do a better job, but my boss... Seems that maybe maybe we don't believe the practical application of this as well as we ought to. Do not expect perfection out of those you follow, or excuse getting out of line because of their seeming failures. Say, so what's that mean? That means just because someone that I'm supposed to be following fails does not give me a right to do wrong. Would everybody agree that in the Bible Joseph had some pretty rough situations? And I understand it wasn't direct fellowship because his brothers actually didn't have authority over him and stuff. But my point of this is not the fellowship with this. Whereby, whereby I agree, Joseph had some pretty rough situations. He kept trying to do the right thing. He kept getting in all kinds of trouble and up happening because of it. But whereby I also agree that in the Bible, Joseph chose to do the right thing no matter where he ended up. Do you know why? It's because he saw beyond the immediate and he saw beyond the human factor and saw that he was actually following and serving God. That sounds easy. We'll say it to one another, and it's a good thing to say. Keep your eyes on the Lord. I was talking to one of our sisters in Christ in this church yesterday, and we were talking about some things, and, and she was talking about how she had had to learn early in her Christianity to keep her eyes on the Lord, not what everybody else was doing. And that's good, but you have to learn it. And so, do not expect perfection out of those you follow or excuse getting out of line because of their seeming failures. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I told you what we use. Of course, we always use our Bible quite a bit, but uh, even a little more so tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Almost more like a midweek Bible study, but a little jet fuel thrown in. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Isaiah, I heard you worried about me this morning. Awesome, man. Where'd the preacher go? Amen. What happened to him? He disappeared. If you weren't in here for the illustration, that really... That's funny. And Brother Tim was covering for me. I knew he was. I know his ministry experience. I know how he thinks. I know how we try to help each other. And all he saw me was me disappear and I didn't come back in. So I, I, that's, I called Brother Carpenter before you all ended up doing about 19 verses of a song while he was trying to give me time to get back in here. And uh, but the Lord uh, just uh, had, a, had a different truth on my heart with that. 1 Corinthians 4, and, and look down, if you will, in verse 6. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes that you might learn in us. Who was, who was speaking there? It's Apostle Paul. Who was Apollos? Apollos was a man mighty in the Scripture and eloquent. He had only known the baptism of John until he was better instructed by Aquila and Priscilla and grew in the Lord. And now he was being mightily used by God to convince people. And so Paul is led by the Spirit of God to write and given these words in verse 6, and these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. Now, 
that takes away this arrogant thing that attacks everybody who's successful. That's a sign of weakness and that's a sign of mental instability, truthfully. Someone who's always got to tear down anybody who does something well. Someone, someone earns more money than you do, so you've got to cut them down. Well, you've got a problem in your heart. You're covetous. Someone does well at something, does better, and you've got to cut them down. That's a problem in the heart, my brothers and sisters. It's not right. And yet, at the same time, the human heart will exalt people up and make idols out of them. It happens as much in the religious world as anywhere else. And that's wrong also. When the Apostle John, by the Spirit of God, said, little brethren, keep yourselves from idols, that's good admonition for us. And he said, these things I have in a figure transferred to Apollos and my, myself, for yours to myself and to Apollos, rather for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. What is written about men? What is written about men is God made them a little lower than the angels, crowned them with glory. What's written about men is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What's written about men is all flesh is grass. What's written about men is for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The object of God's love and attention, a unique place in His creation, we are not part of the animal kingdom. We are a separate creation. And God made us in His image. And I'm going to tell you something tonight that God said you need to keep what man is in right biblical focus. You realize that. You say, what does that, what does that cure? Well, uh, the carnality of the Corinthian church, part of it was, was dividing over their leaders and such. And it said there at the end of verse 6, it says that, not, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. They were going around. One said, I'm Paul. One said, I'm of Apollos. One said, I'm of Cephas. One said, I'm of Christ. And they were arguing over all this stuff. And the Spirit of God uh, said to them, said, you need to get over that. You need to quit making of men what they are not. I've, I've been blessed to have some good Bible teachers in my life. I've been blessed to have some good uh, biblical leadership in my life that helped me. But I'm going to tell you, I've never had a human leader that did not have flaws. Neither do I feel the constraint to tear them down. If they go off and follow a path of sin and they leave the way of truth, then I have to weep and hurt and go on without them because we've got to follow the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, just because of their weaknesses doesn't mean that I have no obligation to listen. Hmm. Suppose you're driving home tonight. Suppose you lived out towards where a number of us live and you're going to go out State Route 22. You leave Lancaster area and you head west on 22. So I drive that road a lot of times. By the way, the greatest money-saving device ever invented, bar none, is the cruise control on my car. Because I guarantee you, I get listening to some preacher or something like that, and that little Subaru of mine, you don't feel, well, the medium Subaru of mine, you don't feel the speed. But it gets there. It gets there. At least that's my excuse for it. But they, it gets there. And I want to be on speed limit. I, try, I obey that stuff. But I, man, I set that thing. I turn, I turn out and I put it on there. Why? Because I got a nice little silver car and I don't want another nice little silver car coming to visit. <laughs> and if that's not enough, they're not happy just to have state troopers there, but the sheriff sits out there also. If you just want to meet some of our local law, law enforcement and get to know them so you can pray for them on a personal basis, just zip up and down 22. Yeah. There's always people stopping there. <laughs> but you know what? One of them if he pulled me over, and if he did, he wouldn't come up and can't, I look out and say, Hey, who do you think you are? You got a smudge on your badge there. 
What do you think you're doing? Your uniform's not pressed right. Think that'd be a good procedure? I'd be an idiot for sure. Yeah, it'd be a bad idea. I'll tell you something. You've never had a boss at work that had all their ducks in a row and he's never had an employee that was in that shape. There's never been a husband made that, uh, that uh, was strong in every single area. And I'm not talking about being wicked. And I'm not talking about being uh, uh, neglectful. But I'm talking about we need to give each other grace enough to understand that God works through imperfect people to accomplish His purposes. Our confidence needs to become so much in God that we can handle the imperfections of people and say, you know what? My God is so strong, He does not have to have a perfect vessel to do good for me and help me grow. I don't excuse wrong behavior. I'm just telling you, when you go demanding perfection out of leadership, and by the way, people who do that generally are trying to excuse wrong behavior. I, I said it earlier. They're, they're behaving wrong, so they're going to point. So, well, my mom. I tell you what, I had to serve the Lord, but my mom and dad, they were one way at church and another way at home. That doesn't give you an excuse. Christ didn't pay any less blood for you because your mom and dad acted like a hypocrite. There was no less of an obligation and commandment from the Bible to follow Christ because someone in leadership over you didn't do right. We need to serve the Lord Christ and realize the human vessels are human vessels. Thank God for it. <laughs> I heard it said once, I thought it was kind of funny, it says every man needs a dog and a cat. Now I know that'll hurt some of your all's feelings. You say, why would he need that? So he needs a dog to worship him and a cat to ignore him, amen? And <laughs> keeps you in balance. Don't expect perfection. Number two, catch this, have a fixed point by which you gauge your following. Have a fixed point by which you gauge your following. That fixed point has to be the Word of God, the written Word of God. When somebody's doing something wrong, regardless of their position, I have to be able to say that action is wrong. I have to be able to do that and not hate the person, not discard everything, but it's wrong. Hey, look, if I do wrong, it's wrong. If you do wrong, it's wrong. And we, a fixed position from the Word of God gives us a bearing by which we measure everything else. A great example of that in the Bible were the folks in Berea. And it says that they of Berea were more noble than they of Thessalonica, for they searched the Scriptures daily to see if these things spoken by Paul were so. What did they do? They took what he was teaching as he opened the Old Testament and showed how Christ was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And they checked the Scripture as a fixed position to say, are we going to follow what this man says? It's got to line up with the revealed Word of God that we have at that time. And what they had was the Old Testament. And so they took that and they measured what he was saying against what was written in the Word of God. And, and thank God many of them said, yes, we can follow because that's in line with the Word of God. You need a fixed position by which your fellowship is set. Number three, healthy fellowship is growing fellowship. Say, so what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, let me show you. Healthy fellowship is growing fellowship. If I say the word fellowship... Please insert the word fellowship because I've been trying hard not to inter, inter, uh, to mix those things. And uh, I almost said interdict. That didn't work. Um, healthy fellowship is growing fellowship. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 
Look in verse 15. Uh, well, let's begin in verse 14. The apostle said, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. As people born were his children in the faith. And uh, people who had received Christ. Maybe you have those. I have people that I've led to Christ personally. You're their father in the faith. That's what it's talking about there. Um, he said, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. And let me tell you, there's a special affection for that in your heart. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. I didn't realize this until many years later. How many of you remember Kenny Moore? You remember, remember Kenny? And you remember Kenny used to read the Scripture at the beginning of service at times. He'd read what I was going to be preaching out of before I'd preach. And he read that very passage. It's been a lot of years ago. We were way back. None of these buildings were built yet. And where that south building is, the old building was sitting there, the old block building. Kenny got up to read and he read that passage right there that we just read where Paul said, be followers of me. And he said, we understand what he really meant was follow me as I follow Jesus. I stepped up, put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, we do not correct the Bible. Did it in the service. I said, it says what it says. Do not change the Word of God. And I sat back down. He said, okay. And he read it. He told me, actually, when I preached Miss Joyce's funeral, and you remember Miss Joyce went home to be with the Lord and she had requested that I preach her, her homegoing service. When I preached her service, and of course I'd, I'd kept in, we'd kept in contact and had a good relationship over many years, Ken came to me and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I always believed that, that Bible, that King James Bible was the Word of God. He said, but the, when it got fixed in my heart, he said, do you remember the day you had to correct me while I was reading? And I said, yeah, I do. Said, you remember it? He goes, how would I not remember it? <laughs> I wasn't mean, but there's a few things you can do to get my public attention. One is correcting the Word of God. And uh, he said, I went home and thought about that and thought, what are you doing? Just take the Word for what it says. Amen. Praise God. We all can use that kind of reminder, can't we? And uh, it is. And he said, be followers of me. You say, oh, you shouldn't follow any man. You're going to. I remember talking to some teenagers when they, the anarchist thing was all big and they're wearing flags upside down. You know how to fix that, don't you? You pick them up and stand them on their head and the flag right side up. But these, these anarchists were there and... It was funny, they were all standing together, you know, and they had the anarchy size and Rage Against the Machine, that was the thing, you know, all this stuff. And they were all dressed the same way. They all have the same, I haven't combed it in three years hairdo. They all stood the same. They all talked the same. And I came up to them and said, what's all those patches stuff? Like, Yo, man, we're not going to be part of the system. I said, look around, you little idiots. What are you doing? I did. I'm laughing at him. Actually, got to give the gospel to him. Like, look at you all. We don't. We don't follow anybody else, right? Yeah, yeah. We don't follow anybody else, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got my posse here, and we don't follow anybody else. Get over it. You do, and I do. Right, right. 
Brother Cox, God willing, will be up here in our missions revival in a few weeks. After he leaves for two weeks, I'll be talking like this here. It just happens when he's around me. Brother John will preach. He gets out and be going, do this stuff, you know? It's these guys, they affect you. It needs to grow. That's where you start. That's where you start. <laughs> this morning, I, I thought it was sweet. The, uh, Andrew and Paige were going to get baptized this morning. I went to their house, talked about baptism. They, they understood and, and all that. And afterward, they didn't. And, and I didn't want to draw undue attention to them because when I move, obviously people, where's the preacher going? Yeah? And, uh, and so I thought, well, I, I'm not sure what the situation is there. And, and uh, afterwards, she came up and she said, Andrew kind of knew. She goes, but you said we should go at the invitation. We were kind of figuring out what that was. <laughs> now, I'd mentioned to him, but of all people, I should be extra careful with that. Because you know my background, coming into church, having not been in church at all until I was 15 years old, we use terminology that people are not around that don't know. And I said, now when the invitation comes, you step out and come forward. So they're trying to figure it out. You know, okay, when's that start? <laughs> Isn't that great? Just wanting to serve the Lord. Well, they're going to follow that thing. You know. Okay, what do you do? They say, we don't know the Bible, no. What do we do next? Here's the Bible and here we show. He said, oh man. I'll tell you what that ought to do to us as Christians. That, that ought to put the fear of the Lord in our heart and say, God, help me walk right before people. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Help me never, never to lead somebody the wrong way. You say, oh, that's not good. They're doing that. That's all they can do right now. Their, their, their uh, uh, little girl, Isla, yesterday, uh, I was at the house yesterday morning. Isla, she, she could say, ah, she's a little one. Little. I don't know. How old is she? She's 10 months. Okay, that's what she is. I measure them like this. How old's that one? Like this. So when do you start knowing their age? About 14 to 16 years old. Before that, it's like this. One thing I did learn by having two of my own is don't answer yes or okay to words you don't understand. <laughs> but we were sitting there in Isla. She's like, she said the word mama. It was funny. It came out right. She's like, mama. And uh, Paige looked over there and she's, I love it. Down, 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 down. <laughs> we were all talking. She's getting in the conversation. And Paige is like, uh-huh. I said, don't do that. <laughs> Don't agree to a child you can't understand because it, you do that the wrong time. Their eyes get bright and they take off in the next room. You're like, oh no, what did I just tell them? They didn't <laughs> now listen, we follow. That's the beginning of fellowship. I, I got saved and I watch what my pastor did. Came to church, watch what the people did. All right, here you go. That's where you start. That's not the end of the thing, but that's the beginning of it. Oughtn't we be careful around here? What's a Christian supposed to be like? I don't know. Maybe people come to church and try to find that out by watching. Maybe when they see you out around town, they oh, that person's from church. What do they see after they see that? Oh, let's be careful. Let's be careful with it. And so you begin with that. Fellowship, healthy fellowship is a growing thing. Uh, so we start out when he said, be you followers of me. Then, if you will, look over quickly to the uh, uh, next step of fellowship is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
So we begin with being a follower of a person and going with that. That's how it starts. And I understand you've accepted Christ. You didn't get saved because you accepted a person other than Jesus. So I hope you understand the context I'm giving this to you in. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm not trying to teach a, uh, a man worship at all. In fact, I am so viciously opposed to that, it's hard to describe. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, though, talks about the next step. He said, Be ye followers of me, how? Even as I also am of Christ. That means as long as I'm following Christ, then you follow me. Come along with me. Come along with me. Come along with me, my brother, as we begin to follow Christ. Brother Carver, let me use it for just a moment if I can up here, sir. Let's say Brother Carpenter leads me to Christ, okay? An arduous task. I get saved. Well, come and turn facing that way in front of me. Now, you're going to see how apt this illustration is. At first, all I can see is him. <laughs> Amen. I've been eclipsed. All right? We got him up here. His gossamer little self. But we need someone to represent Jesus. Y'all raising your hands, you like to represent Jesus? Not a chance. I need Keith. Come on up here. I'm sorry, guys. I'll use you some other time when I need somebody to abuse an illustration. Right? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> this is all I have to work with. You know? Now, Please understand the imperfection of any illustration of this, but I'm trying to show you something. <laughs> the imperfection. <laughs> but <laughs> the, I obviously, I did not get saved if I did not trust in Christ. It was not my trusting in Brother Carver. I told you how I went home after I got saved. Did not know the biblical terminology. Did not know what to say. I was so excited. My mom said, what happened today? And my pastor, everybody called him Brother Jeff. He's a very young man. I said, Brother Jeff saved me. My dad, my stepdad, he goes, what? You know, <laughs> what kind of cults is this guy getting into? And my mom had more discernment. She's like, Carl, he just doesn't know how to say this. And my Stepdad's like, rawr, rawr, rawr. and I'm like, no, wait, he didn't say me. I, anyway, I can figure it out, you know. Okay, my terminology is messed up, but I trusted Christ. Well, I start out, I'm following him as he's heading towards Christ. Now, it's not that I haven't received Christ, but I don't really understand him yet. I'm seeing him very much through the prism of his action. That's why it's really important that he keeps heading towards Christ. Then the second step, as followerships get more, more healthy, and what we have in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And so what happens, Brother Keith, if you wouldn't mind turning that way, he's following Christ, but I can see a little beyond him now. Now you see why I couldn't use you boys. I'd never be able to see you on the other side of the carpet. And, and so I can see beyond him now, and I can say, Oh, Okay, he's serving the Lord and he's further down the road than I am. He's got some things to teach me, but I see his objective down there. Now, why that's so important to start growing in that, suppose, uh, God forbid, but suppose Brother Carpenter, turn this way, this way down, he turns aside. Now, if I never grow beyond, if you come back for your word, boss, uh, if I never grow beyond just seeing him, 
Well, he's it. You know, he's everything. He's my rock. It's a standard statement to ever make about any person. He's one, you know. If ever there was a genuine Christian, it was him. He made me. But that's still flesh. And the devil's still real. We still have an adversary that's looking to devour, and we better pay attention to some things. So if I'm just so focused on him and I never get this when he turns aside, or I'll get delusional, I think, go back here. But I'll tell you what. If there's anybody I knew that was real, it was him. And if it wasn't real with him, now I nothing to do with it. We run to him all the time. How often do we deal with it? For the carpenter, I put you back where you were. But he's following Christ, and I'm following him as he follows Christ, and he turns aside. Go ahead. Oh, no. No. You kidding me? He's the one who told me about the Lord. You kidding me? He's one of five. Well, I have decided to follow Jesus. And by the way, I have the best chance of saying, Hey, my brother, you helped me before. Let's get back on the path together. I have the best chance of bringing him back. Fellowship that's healthy is growing fellowship. You start out at this stage, but you've got to grow past that and develop your own work, walk with the Lord. Thank you, gentlemen. You did a good job. And of course, Keith, you were perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you say, what's the final step in that growth? We never get to a point where we don't need one another. By the way, that's why the Bible says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. Amen. And people may choose in certain situations to make choices about that, but no government has a right to take that from us. On this, we will not yield. And I'm on the internet with that. But what's the next step? What's the final step of maturation? What's the final step of going forward? Look in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. It's not ever to a point where we don't need each other. But look what it says in verse 1. Be therefore followers of whom? Of God as dear children. It's interesting. I had usually thought of that, uh, that adjective dear as dear children as, as uh, our disposition towards the Father. And there's an aspect of that that's there. But it was interesting. I'm more study with it. What I realized was being followers of God as dear children, being followers of God as children who are very beloved of the Father. My following is based on how much the Father loves me. I want to be with Him. Now it said that the Lord would come and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and then the children to the fathers. That pattern follows the heavenly. We love Him because He first loved us. And as we learn more about Him, 
then we should love him better. And then we become followers of him as someone who's loved. We can, uh, we can join Peter and say, to whom would we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Do you know what broke David's heart so severely when he had sinned so grievously? Do you know what broke his heart? He said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. He grieved over the fact not only of the damage he had done to people, but mainly about the fact of the grief he had caused his God. And the one thing he said more than anything else to him was not to lose the presence of God. Boy, that would be important to us. I'm afraid, Brother Tim, that we're a little bit out of touch with what the old-time religion is. People think it's a time period and a historical time uh, as far as church's conditions and stuff within our nation, and it isn't. The old paths that Jeremiah talked about, which are the good way that we're supposed to ask for and then walk therein, is a pathway that not only is doctrinally sound, recognizes the Word of God for what it is, and follows God's way, but it's also a way that has the touch of heaven on it. It's a love relationship with God. It's a passion. The church at Ephesus in Revelation, it was said they had lost their first love. They were doing everything right. They were hardworking. They were separated. And yet the first love was gone. God help us not to ever just go through the motions. I never want to be a soulless Christian, as it were. I hope you know what I mean by that. I want our church to have a heart for God. We want to help people, but our first, our first thought ought to be towards God. Be followers of God as dear children. If, if, if you're going to grow, you need to grow in your fellowship. As we grow in the art of following, what sort of followers should we be? And I'll take just a couple moments for this. I'm going to give you references. I'm not going to turn to all of these by any means, but you may write a few things down. I always like to give you something to study on through the week. But if we're going to be uh, followers, then we need to be a participating follower. Philippians 3, verse 17 said that you are followers together. Followers together. We need to be a participating follower. Acts 16, verse 10 gives something amazing. Paul saw the uh, uh, Macedonian, the vision of the Macedonian man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. He had wanted to go to Bithy. He tried to go to Asia. The Holy Spirit would not let him do these things. And Paul was traveling with a group of people as they went forth and established churches. They, they, were, they were on, on a missionary trip where they were going to different cities, establishing churches, and then building those up, and then came back through and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, nourished those saints and all that. But as he was desiring to go into Asia, at that time God didn't let him go. And Bithynia wouldn't let him go. And Mysia wouldn't let him go there. At night, Paul had a vision, and he saw a man in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. Well, he told the people about it. And it's recorded in the book of Acts by the Apostle Luke. He said, immediately we essayed to go. In other words, we started putting together everything we need to go. Assuredly gathering, listen to this from verse 10, that the Lord had called us. The only one who saw the vision was Paul. But they went together. Why? Because it was a participating follower. Sometimes people come into the work of God with a, if I don't get my way, I'll take my ball and go home attitude. Huh. I had a 
fellow with me one time, and uh, uh, we were going into a meeting, and had an older older preacher there. And this one fellow was saying, "We need to do this. We need to do that." And he was talking to me personally, and uh, he said, "I'm making some suggestions here." And after that fellow walked away, the older preacher was with me. He says, "That man's suggestions sound a lot like demands." I said, yeah, they pretty much are in his mind. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to do what I think the Lord wants us to do and just let him, let him do. <laughs> just rattle on, brother. We're going ahead. Um, what is it? Be a participating father. Be involved with things. You'll get so much more out of church if you put something into it. Yeah, we will. You know, uh, church is not an inconvenience between times when you get to talk to your friends before service and after. It isn't a time that's supposed to try the limits of your phone addiction. You know, your thumbs start twitching. I haven't texted in 25 minutes, at least not while the preacher was looking at me. Oh yeah, I know what kind of nonsense goes on. There's been a couple of times I haven't hammered people just because you'll take away, uh, you'll take away, uh, Isaiah, wasn't you. I was looking right at you, that's funny. Um, Hey boy. Um, They... Um, but it's, uh, um, I have done because I don't want to take the attention away from the message. But uh, it's pretty obvious at times. Be a participating follower. In 1 Thessalonians 2, it said, Paul said to the believers, he said, you became followers of the churches which are in God. That's a great thing, isn't it? I love it. Then be a perceptive follower. Look in Hebrews 13. I do want to show you that one. Be a perceptive follower. Be a participating follower. Be a perceptive follower. Hebrews chapter 13. Look at this here. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Look at it. Whose faith follow. Considering the end of their salvation, what is it? Or conversation, rather. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You need to be a perceptive follower. You need to be able to follow the faith that went on before and realize the end of that life or conversation is Jesus Christ. And thank God He doesn't change. You need to be a principled follower. In other words, you're not just operating out of sheer emotion, but you have principles in what you do. I, I take you to First Peter for that one. A participating follower. A perceptive follower, a principled follower. First Peter chapter 3. I think I said 2. 3, if you will. First Peter 3. Listen to this verse. It's an amazing statement. First Peter 3, verse 13. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? It was said of Jesus, he went about doing good. That'd be a great thing to do. Say, so what should I do? Do good. You got a decision making situation? Do that which is best. Strive for that which is excellent. Stay out of the way of that which is hidden. Stay out of the way of that which is, is darkness. So be a participating follower, a perceptive follower, a principal follower. Be a peaceful follower. Romans chapter 14. My goodness, this one is a, a good and convicting verse. Romans 14. Be a, be a peaceful follower. Romans 14. Look in verse 19. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. To edify is to build up or strengthen. Follow the things which make for peace. 
There's a recipe for peace. There are things that go into it. Not striving about words for no profit. That makes for peace. Having unity of the faith, believing in Christ and, and the integrity of the Scripture. That makes for, for peace. Having charity one to another, allowing the love of God in you to flow out to others. That makes for peace. Bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. That makes for peace. Not coveting one another's things. That makes for peace. All these things. There's a recipe to it. And uh, we, need to, we need to be peaceful followers. Seeking that which brings about peace. And uh, God, God likes that. Uh, <laughs> we need to be a profitable follower. In 2 Timothy 2.2, we're supposed to teach others that which we've been taught. As I follow, I'm supposed to pass on what I'm following. And so we're to do that and be profitable. Now I want to show you one other passage. Look in Philippians chapter 3. We need to be a persistent follower. Philippians chapter 3. It's hard to think about being a persistent follower without thinking of the prophet Elisha. He received a double portion of Elijah's spirit when Elijah was taken up with the fiery chariot into heaven. Do you remember what happened? Elisha said, he said, I want to ask something of you. And Elijah said, ask what you will. And he said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah said to Elisha, who, of course, Elisha was the younger, he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me, when I go up, then you can have it. In other words, you've got to be right with me when this happens. So they go across to Gilgal. And when they get there, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here while I go. And Elisha says, I'll not leave you. He goes to the next point and Elijah says, stay here. And Elisha says, I won't leave you. He goes with him. Goes to the next point. Stay here. He wouldn't do it. Finally, they get to the river Jordan. Elijah hits the river, smites it with his mantle, his outer wrapping, his outer covering. I love what the Bible term is. The river went hither and thither. I'm not sure if hither's left and thither's right or which way it goes, but that's a pretty neat vision to think about that. And they go across. And as they are talking, that chariot from heaven comes down and separates them and takes Elijah. And, he, and Elisha says, My father, my father, the horsemen, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen, they're up. You know what happens? Something falls down. Elijah's mantle is covering. Elisha picks it up. See, Elijah didn't need that where he was going. He was one of two men in the Bible didn't die. Didn't see death. Another one was in it. And what did Elisha call out? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he goes over and he hits the river and it does that. You know what happened? He, he had to be a persistent follower. He had grown to a point where he was following, you say, well, he was persistently following Elijah. Uh-huh. And as soon as Elijah went up, what was the first thing out of Elisha's mouth? Where's the Lord God of, of Elijah? He wasn't satisfied just to have followed Elijah. He wanted to know Elijah's God. Boy, we need to get determined about our Christianity. We need to get some grit inside of us that says, I want God. I'm not satisfied with spiritual mediocrity. I want to know God. Give us some backbone. Something inside us. 
some spiritual fortitude to stay after it and keep following God through the hard times and through the lean times and through the disappointing times. May God give us grace to have the stamina. May He be honored if we do it. Philippians chapter 3, is that what I told you? Look in verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And of course, Paul was highly educated at the feet of Gamaliel, the renowned teacher of his day. He was, he was a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a man of, of political power and, and religious aspiration that was on the fast track to success. And he received Christ and, and, and became an off-scouring to his people because of that. Verse 9, And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Look in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. Here he's talking about growing and continuing in the Lord. And he chooses, and the words that are put here, I follow after. Isn't that amazing? If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, there's an art to following. And it involves how you interact with people. And it involves seeing God and having a standard by which you measure what is right and what is wrong. People talking about, oh, no, 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 follow God, that blind faith. There's no such thing. Faith is far more perceptive and far more seen than the, than the flesh of the eye has ever been. Amen. The same God who said, come now, let us reason together is the same God who has given us the capacity to reason say it's reasonable to present my body. It's reasonable to do service to God. It's reasonable for me to follow the Lord. And as I do it, thank God there's others I can follow with and there's some that are further along. So you understand, it's not just friendship that I miss with Brother Hill. I, I wanted to call him. It's been weird to say I just wanted him to hear. He'd call me great white leader, is what he called me. Or he'd say, hey, still married? Yep. Same woman? Yep. Still saved? Yep. You ain't got no problems, do you, boy? Well, I'll tell you something. Not to have somebody who's 25, almost 30 years further down the ministry than I am. I mean, not there. One of the men more my age, looked. we looked around and we said, when did we quit being the kids and now I think we get to be the old guys? <laughs> you enjoyed that way too much. Keep following. 
following prayers. Don't turn aside from them. My heart yearns for you young people to early on have a heart for Christ. I mean a real heart for Christ. One that shows up in how you behave and what you do. A heart for Christ. Remember what he asked? Stay on there. Those of you in the further stages of the race, stay steady to the end. Follow him. Jesus is worth following. He was worth following when I was a fuzzy-headed 15-year-old boy getting saved. He's worth following now. And uh, he'll be worth following tomorrow. Thank God for it. Let me pray with you. Father, oh Lord, I've tried to do right by your word. Bless your people. May there be a heart of sweetness and openness to your spirit. God, may the invitation be what it's designed for. The people will examine and talk to you and yield to what you've touched their heart about from the Scripture. Oh, God, may we want you. May we not be careless and lax in what we do, please. I don't want to be. God, I never want to become a professional Christian. I really don't. I don't, I don't ever want to lose the sweet dew of the freshness of salvation and the wonder of it all that you would love me and save me with your blood and then count me faithful and put me in ministry. Lord, how good you've been. Bless your people. May they love you and have a heart to you tonight, please. Let's stand together. Why don't you come? Don't wait for the first note of music. You ought to come talk to the Lord about something. Why don't you come tonight? Who come? A song invitation. Why don't you come this evening? Would you give him your heart? I'll preach I'm already saved. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about would you give him your heart? Would you yield to him tonight? story going on there. Amen. Get in. And... Why do y'all lock the baptistry doors? Because there's 1,200 gallons of water back there and a whole bunch of kids about that big out here. That's why we do that. Praise God. We're going to have baptism, obviously. And uh, if you would, go ahead and be seated. Brother Tim will get you going here.